Welcome to Sports 56 Happy Hour with Johnny Radio. This hour is brought to you by Scooters Plus on Summer Avenue. Now, here's your host, Johnny Radio himself, John Harden. No John today? You can hear me say no, that, I, right? No, I can hear you. You just turned down a little I, bit. I was so kind of confused. I was like, am I enjoying, do I hear my voice? <laughs> What's like going on here? Charm, I was like, no John today. No but John I was like, today. I'm not sure if I heard that through my headphones or not. Anyway, let's start over again. Brian, no John today. He is at a concert. He'll, and he's, he's gone for the next, uh, t- what are you, 10 days, days or so? Yeah. 10 days, yeah. So he's gone, and in his stead will be you and I uh, doing Johnny Radio's Happy. I'm really excited. Yeah. We got all of his regular guests. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun here. And furthermore, we got a big show today. Oh, yeah, I mean, Brian, you and I have been planning this stuff for years. No, 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 uh, no. I, that's uh, overstating it a bit. I think. Hmm. Uh, but at least for a couple of days, we were like, "Oh man, this is going to be great!" Oh, yeah. It's John's show. We love gambling on oh, John's yeah. show, so this is the perfect opportunity. Baseball's going on. Uh-huh. You and I have had a good year oh, betting man. on baseball oh, yeah, too, we so we could really have this opportunity to handicap these baseball games. <laughs> They're far more manageable because there's only four wild cards right. before the first round starts. And then what happened, Brian? Uh, none of the four games went to a third game. None of the games four went series, to I another I one. Yeah. Um, I truthfully, I want to hear you real quick because uh, I've. Truth be told, I have to uh, uh, stall for uh, a minute oh while yeah. I uh, pull up the heck things yeah. that I, oh, were necessary yeah. because there's a quick change going on oh, here. Yeah, Much like the halftime show quick change sure. where the man and the woman, like she changes dresses uh-huh, really fast. Yeah. You know, that's just computers. Her dress is made of a computer. Really? And so like it, it has little like strings inside and it pulls it up. You know what I'm talking about, quick change? You have no idea what I'm talking about. I have about. no idea what you're talking about. Well, that's all right either. I'm sure someone out there does. Everybody quick change uses computers in the woman's dress. That's how it's done. Sorry to spoil the magic trick. Anyway. Um, oh, the magic trick where they put the... They put the they pull the curtain up and, and her dress changes. It. But it happens like oh. multiple times over the course of a show. I thought she was just wearing dresses underneath and she just like took one off and... You understand how fabric works? Like at a certain point, it would she would look like a big fat person. <laughs> huh. I guess I didn't think it all the way through. Speaking of fat people, we got Don LaGreca sound to get to in a minute. But I want to finish what we're talking about with the baseball games last night first. I was incensed when they took Jose Barrios out. Oh, way too early. In the third inning, he had five Ks. He'd given up three hits. He just walked one batter, Mm -hmm. and they took him out of the game. Crazy. Uh, Unbelievable. And then, then, furthermore, it's a 0-0 ball game later that inning. The pitcher that came in Mm -hmm. for him, don't even know his name, don't want to know his name, that guy, what a clown, (laughs) literally gives up, what, three runs in that inning? Maybe it was just two it might have just been one honestly uh, but he gave up a run it was something and then they started scoring oh, and yeah, what yeah. a joke yeah. I mean, the guy struck out five and three innings what more do you mm-hmm. want from him absolutely ridiculous decision by the blue jays anyway um other games finished last night all of them did brian did you watch any of them and tell me what you thought yeah no i i watched pretty much every game yesterday or at least some of every game yesterday look let me tell you something jay uh, what a disappointment the Tampa Bay Rays are as an organization, as a fan base, and as a team. I mean, you start the season so strong, so fast. I mean, everybody was talking about this historic start of the season, and then you get swept in the wild card. Uh, and not just swept, I mean, they were absolutely dominated yesterday, 7-1. to one. In that first game 
uh, the story of the day was errors. There were four errors committed by Tampa Bay, and really all four of those errors led to the four runs that Tampa or that that Texas scored to win that first game. This it was just Texas out hitting them. I mean, twelve hits for for Texas. So I was I was impressed with Texas, disappointed with the Rays. I'm really impressed with the D-backs. I've been saying for a couple of weeks now that like this is a young team, but they're really not super young. I mean, they've made some some moves in the last uh, year, and they've got a good mixture of young, you know, potential stars in, in Corbin Carroll and veteran guys that kind of have done been here, done that. And so I, I was surprised what they did against Milwaukee. Shouldn't say I was too surprised though, because you know Milwaukee. The only reason they're there is the the division they play in. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed the games. And then, I mean, what Philadelphia did, uh, I know you're, you don't, you hate the Phillies. Is that the only reason they're there? I would say so. Wouldn't they have made the playoffs otherwise? But you're saying because the skate get fat on their schedule. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they had a, they 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 won 92 games. They would have made the playoffs, even if they didn't win the division. I mean, Two third, two thirds of your schedule yeah. is the Cardinals, Point the taken. Cubs, the Pirates, and the Reds. Point I taken. Mean, Point taken. Um, but uh, but you know, I know you hate Philly, but wow, I mean, Philly equals electricity. I mean, the atmosphere for that game was unbelievable. Yeah, the Grand Both Slam too. Oh, mean, it was great. Uh, it was, was fun to watch. But, but we, uh, we didn't have any expectations for the Marlins. No, that I mean, we knew either. they were going to lose that, that the, series. They 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 really had a great year too. The Marlins oh, did, yeah, and it's absolutely. overshadowed by this coming out. They had 84 wins for a team. They played the last month of the year to get into the playoffs without their two yeah. best pitchers all year. And it wasn't well, like they were sitting a, pretty, but I mean, no. they, they really had to fight to make the playoffs. I, I shouldn't say two best. Lazardo's there too, and Lazardo had a really good year as well. But I mean, really hot start also. Perez will be road, will be their guy yeah. I mean, he, by maybe next year. He'll be there too. I mean, he's unbelievable. Hopefully, he has he, they can pitch him for a whole season next year because yeah. it was all self imposed. Him take them mm-hmm. putting him on an innings restriction, not letting him pitch for the playoffs. Probably well, the whole smart year for too. him was kind of like that. I mean, they, well, they thought they were going to shut him down right, at the end of July. Well, no, because too many pitches. He had, he had yeah, he had pitched. No, he didn't. He never got injured. That we I want to make right, that clear. Yes. He did not get injured. He. In July, they shut him down for the innings limit, mm-hmm. and then was like, and then Sandy got hurt, mm-hmm. and they were like, well, maybe he has a few more innings in him, and they let him keep going a little bit. But when the end of the season got there, his last start was, Shady I guess, the beginning best. of beginning of September. Uh, so, yeah. so they shut him down again, and so no expectations there either for real. But uh, still, a good eighty four wins, really good. But I, you know, I'm. Phillies been playing good ball. They played pretty good yesterday. Uh, let's see more from the Phillies. I mean, they're about to go. Yeah. So they're about to lose I mean, to the Braves. Whew. No, they don't have a chance. No, that, <laughs> not at all. Famous last words because they definitely have a chance. It's baseball, and baseball seems well, to happen. Beat them last crazy. year. I mean, they did it. Yeah, did no, it last they, year. They did. But they do it did. again. Yeah, that's bingo. Speaking of do it again, oh, great stuff today. Got lots of sound. I mentioned Don LaGreca. I've got Mad Dog sound. He's irritated by Taylor Swift. Mm. Can you believe that? I, I can't. I mean, there was a lot of belie- there was a lot of irritation last week, and then he went on another rant the other uh. Uh, yesterday, two days ago, two days ago, uh. um, on his on his show. On that, I want to play that sound Mad too. I want to talk about NBA. I'm getting back oh, yeah. on my soapbox uh, again. I, I got to change the TV at some point. We got preseason action already going on. Wow. In, in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, first day going preseason today. We're going to talk to uh, Isaac Simpson, um, yeah. and I want to ask him who is the play caller and how quickly can we fire him. Um, I don't know if Isaac has that information, but that would be great. I'm guessing you're talking about the Tigers? Wait, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Because oh, Isaac covers the gri- – right. excellent point by you. The t- Isaac Simpson covers the Tigers uh-huh. and the Grizzlies yeah. at Tiger Sports Report and the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. Um, I also have the top five movies and TV shows mm. uh, that you need to watch in October. Spoiler alert, there's more than five. But there's, I give my top five, might have more than five. And I also give my top 25, spoiler alert, uh. might have more than five, or 25. Oh, uh, 25 more than 
25. Always. That's my college football top 25. Receiving votes. And we got Thursday Night Football, so we'll do some game win, too. Yeah, but first, this happened yesterday. Bryant, um, one time, I, I know you're not intimately familiar with this gentleman, but I've played his sound for you both on mm-hmm. and off the air before. Don LaGreca. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, do you have a recollection of who Don LaGreca is? Um, he's, a, he's a radio personality up in, up in New York, Do you right? know who he does a show with? You literally told me multiple times, and I can't remember now. Mm, Michael K. That's all Michael right. Michael K. Voice yes, of the yes, Yankees, yes. Michael the K. Yankees. Uh-huh. He is the co-host on the Michael K. Show. I'll tell you what. Don LaGreca, an older man, great head of hair. He's growing oh. out his beard a little bit. Okay. He's got this big, bushy, white beard, and uh-huh. he's growing it out a little bit. And he gets angrier than literally any human in existence. He gets so mad. And uh, Evan Neal has had a little back and forth with the mm. New York Giants fan base in the media. When we know Evan Neal, I mean Um I I, I wait wait to tell okay. wait till we talk about Evan Neal here. Um so this uh gentleman Don LaGreca, he went on the radio yesterday and he read a story about uh it started with a quote from Evan Neal okay. and then I'm just gonna let Don LaGreca do the rest. Why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of a sheep? He added. The person that's condemning, uh, commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'd cut his ass. I would. How dare you? How dare you? These people pay your salary. They pay an obnoxious amount of money to park, an obnoxious amount of money for PSLs to sit there and watch this pap, and you call them hamburger flippers? What, you're so much better? I'd rather have a guy that's flipping hamburgers block than your piece of garbage ass. Who the hell are you to talk to fans like that, you piece of garbage? I hate when players do that. You're not above us. What, because you happen to play a sport? You make them, you're better than me? You're better than the people that pay your salary? These giant fans were here before you, and they'll be here after your sorry ass is cut. What a piece of human trash. And I don't want to hear some apology. I don't want to hear, oh, I was taken out of contact. I didn't mean, I don't want to hear, done, done. I would cut his fat ass. <laughs> oh, if I'm John Mara, I call him to the office and say, no, I you were a first-round pick, but you're not worth anything. You don't talk to our fans that way. You don't talk to me that way. You are out of a job. I, I, Don, you should you. boo him. If you see him in the mall of Willowbrook, boo his ass. If you see him on the DMV, boo him. Don't stop booing him. Um, your thoughts, Brian? Um, look, first off... Any highlights? It's like watching, like I said, got gray hair, he's got this big bushy gray beard now. It's it's like watching Santa Claus get (laughs) enraged and just lose his temper live in front of a microphone. Well, first off, Don is a pro because he got fired up there and said, you piece of, and I was like, well, uh uh-oh. Even better. Garbage. Even better, he got fired up and stopped looking at his co-host and turned to the camera. Oh, He was saying it to Evan Neal right right into the camera. What a pro. He knows he's on TV. He's on the Yes Network. That's Uh courtesy of the Michael K. Show, by the way, ESPN in New York. Unbelievable job by Don. Now, first of all, first of all, I want to say two things. Number Uh one, Evan Neal does stink. Worst, worst, (laughs) Worst player I've ever seen in my life. Might be the worst football player in the history of the National Football League. Wow. There's literally only, only, uh, uh, 
there's some, it's mostly Alabama homers that will defend him. There's some, like, general SEC homerism on the internet that defends this guy. He is terrible. He's one of the worst players I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, he gets abused by the worst defensive lineman you've ever seen, let alone the best. <laughs> He's awful. He's terrible. Um, but, uh, but furthermore, we got to get back and play that again, too. But, uh, you know, he might be better. He might be. Uh and I love also Don LaGreca, who has a bit of a weight problem himself, calling <laughs> Evan Neal a fat ass. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, Don, check yourself. Check in the mirror. <laughs> uh, when was the last time you saw your genitals? My, I mean, uh, goodness Lord. sakes. My favorite was uh, was at the very end where he was like, yeah, if you see him at the mall, boom! Oh, if you see him at the DMV, you, you got to move. Because you know, everybody goes to the DMV, Brian. That's everybody true. goes to the I mean, DMV. So it's like something we can all relate to. Evan Neal probably goes to the DMV, and it would be an opportunity to boo him. A great opportunity, actually. A great opportunity. I mean, he's there. He's he's upset. He has to wait at the DMV. He's you know just sitting there, and everybody starts booing him. It's a great opportunity. I, honestly, I mean, there's so many great Don Lickrecker like rants too. There's <laughs> he had the, has the Pythagorean theorem, the Pythagorean theorem says that that your chance offensive line should be to win. Oh. That's what the Pythagorean theorem says. <laughs> that's a Don Legrand. That's my Don Legrand impression. There, it's excellent. Good. Excellent What's the last, stuff. Right didn't you play one last time we did a show? Or something yeah, like that? I he. Can't I mean, I, I can't even remember what it is either. The Pythagorean theorem is the that's best one. one. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the best ones. This might rank up there. I mean, telling a, telling some people to boo a guy at the mall and at that's the DMV hilarious. is as good as it gets. That is. I mean, and poke. I mean, it's excellent stuff. You think you're better than me? Huh? <laughs> You think you're better than me? Can I you mean, play a sport? That's oh, really that's at the crux of all of sports radio uh-huh. yelling at the players oh, to yeah. play is that they think they have the audacity to think that they're better than me. They're better than me? Nobody's better than me, Bryant. That's hilarious. Nobody's better than me. Literally, if you listen to sports radio across the country, our market, other markets, doesn't matter. Any market, anybody talking to a microphone, if they're complaining about players and coaches... It's the crux of the entire argument or the entire opinion is this person thinks they're better than mm-hmm. me and nobody's better than me. There's an insecurity in sports mm. media unlike anywhere else in the world. <laughs> I've heard this story a ton of times. Dan Levitard talks about it all the time is he hears players that would go into work at like ESPN or stuff like that back when he worked there. Yeah. They would go into the office and get like they would be awestruck at how they just came from the hyper-competitive world of (laughs) professional sports, and they've never seen a group of more insecure people than they do in (laughs) sports media. I mean, it truly is is maybe one reason why, maybe some little therapy session, Brian, maybe it's why we all get into this business, is because we couldn't do as much athletically Uh. as we would have hoped we would have been able to do. Uh. And so what do we do instead? We criticize the hell out of the players (laughs) and coaches who can do it. And sit them under a microscope. I mean, it really is ridiculous. So, for, I, I agree with him. Evan Neal's the worst football player I've ever seen in my life. But I also disagree with him. And, yes, Don, he is better he is than better you. Than They're you. all better than us. <laughs> and, and, really, we should take the a step back athlete. a lot of times when we're talking about this stuff and realize they're all better than us. Yeah. We should treat it with a certain amount of respect and, and reverence when we talk about these players rather than criticizing stuff that, quite frankly, we don't know anything about. Yeah. Like, I... I studied basketball for six, seven, eight years. Not right. not just watched basketball, right. studied it under a microscope. 
to in order to learn like a monicum of anything about it. Just a small little seedling of something about the sport. Yeah. The people that do the job for a living every day know way more than I do. And furthermore, when you learn that kind of stuff, you realize how little you might know about other sports too. Mm. And as in sports media, we do not approach it with that same type of right. reverence and understanding that, oh my God, these guys literally, especially professionals, have PhDs in oh, the yeah. sports that they're playing. Absolutely. The coaches have PhDs. And for us who like watched it with like the sound on with maybe like another TV on like Big Brother as well while we're watching it, to sit there and criticize them, uh-huh. like we know what the hell's going on yeah. is a ridiculous. The fact that anybody does this job is ridiculous. <laughs> like the, we take it so seriously and he has to get that worked up about Evan. You don't talk to me that way. You don't talk to me that way. It's it's ridiculous. It really is. It seemed at one point he was taking it personally. Oh, against, uh, you against think? You think? I mean, really, he thinks. But that's that's the insecurity we're talking right. about. Is like you don't get to talk to me that way. I am the giant. Mm. I created mm. you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But insert insert market here. Insert sure. market team here. Right. You don't get to talk to me that way. I, th- this is my team. Yeah. It's gonna be here after you're gone. But, like, that doesn't make it more yours. It's, nah. in fact, way more theirs than will ever be sure. yours because you sit there and watch the game. Hey, I'll, I'll take in another step. I didn't even know I was going to get here, too. But, like, when we talk about, like, the NBA players aren't playing enough, mm. this is a classic sports radio complaint, sports media complaint. Is oh, I've the, heard you go back and forth with John about this. The players times. aren't playing enough. Right. It, they, they, they need to get out there and play. They're paid to play. They pay their salaries. Or, like, when the player asks to leave a market, like what Damian Lillard just did, more right. on Damian Lillard oh, later. Yeah. And we're like, it's there. They had, they get to do that because the sports fan and the sports media person always is going to side with ownership right. and totally ignore the place that the player has on the team and they're standing within the team. It somehow is more meaningful to you. The idea that fans feel obligated or, or feel uh, the freedom to tell player a player when or when not they should play is the epitome of arrogance, ignorance, and stupidity in sports fans. You don't get to tell players when they get to play. You sit your ass in the seat, you shut up, and you watch whatever the hell product they decide to deliver to you. Because it's not yours, it's theirs. I mean, period. They're the ones playing it. And the arrogance to think that you get to decide when a player should or shouldn't play. And then the victory lap that Everyone takes every offseason when Adam Silver puts in a bogus rule. I was about to say, that, and now it's Adam Silver saying that it. Bogus rule. No, but it's a bogus rule. Yeah, it, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, because right. what they already do, nobody is resting players saying, he just doesn't Little feel like playing today. We don't want yeah. him to play today. It's a nagging. It's a soft tissue exactly. injury. It always Some is a soft injury, tissue injury. Yeah. And it's going to continue to be a soft mm-hmm. tissue injury. So the victory lap that fans take when Adam Silver makes a rule, he did it last offseason too. Not just this past all season, the one before it. And fans always take a victory lap. See, I told you it's bad for the product. No one's ever going to watch basketball again. And then, like, Kawhi even came out at media days. And, of course, they asked Kawhi about it. And Kawhi was like, I mean, it's not going to change. Who literally won an NBA championship hurt on one leg. He should play more. What What a joke of an idea. I mean, it's just ridiculous, (laughs) And he basically, like, he basically, like, said, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, he he was like, they're not going to do anything. It's, you know, whatever. It, it, It really is unbelievable and I got away from what we were talking about with Don LaGreca because that was hilarious but also his point is terrible (laughs) his his point is literally awful now I will agree Evan Neal's the worst football player I've ever seen so one point is good the other is horrible well I mean truly 
I also said earlier talking about this, I don't know anything about evaluating right. certainly an offensive lineman's right. ability. That being said, Evan Neal's the worst football player I've ever seen in my life. Back after this. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Or with Johnny Radio. This hour is brought to you by Scooters Plus on Summer Avenue. Here once again is Johnny Radio. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Choke. He's so mad, but he won't give up daddies. He know he won't have it. He knows his whole back to these ropes. It don't matter. He's dope. He knows that, but he's pro. He's so stacked that he knows when he goes back to this mobile home. That's when it's back to the lab again, yo. This old rhapsody better go capture this moment and hope it don't. I need to find the best portions of that Don LaGreca rant and just play them periodically yeah. throughout the show today because that the is highlights of it. it's electric. Yeah. What would be the highlights? Blew him at the, the DMV. I love that part. That's you think favorite. you're better than me? That's, those would be the two. Those for, probably are the two. Those are the, the two, two that I, that I yeah. like for sure. Uh-huh. Um, but we have to put that on the back burner for a minute. We've got a lot to talk about today. Isaac Simpson. He is a writer for TigerSportsReport.com. He's also the host, co-host of the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. You can get that wherever you listen to podcasts. He uh, has had a busy week, I'm sure, with Monday being at uh, at the Grizzlies Media Day. And that's kind of I, where I want to start with you, Isaac. Thank you for joining us. Um, I want to ask you kind of a question here, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. What's the mo- And you can answer this any way you want to. Whatever entertains you, what's the most entertaining thing that you heard on Monday at Grizzlies Media Day? Good morning. Good morning, man. Uh, I think it had to be Derrick Rose. Um, if you watch those interviews and those videos, and anybody that saw Derrick Rose back when he was here at the University of Memphis, anybody kind of in their thirties like me, old guy now, um, if you saw him back in the University of Memphis, you wouldn't even recognize that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, back when he was at Memphis, he was shy. When you interviewed him, he give kind of one word answers. He, he even said it himself. I don't think this is knocking him or anything. He even said it himself at that time he couldn't really articulate the way that he wanted to. And, I mean, he really just commanded that room. Um, I mean, just the way that he was able to express, like, different things and talk about the game. You could just see the basketball IQ coming coming through and, and, and what he was saying. And I, I just think it's going to be tremendous for this team. I mean, and that's not to take anything away from the other guys' interviews. They were all great, but it, it was different uh, with, with Derrick Rose. I mean, there was just a, a different aura about it. Uh, I mean, I, I just think it's, it's invaluable, man, for them to get him on a cheap deal like that. Uh, this is probably his last stop. But even more so of, of what you get on the floor from him, I think it's going to be really valuable for these guys in his locker room. Um, and, and Derek has never been a guy that's really vocal. Um, and, and he stated that um, at, at practice the other day that Senator Jenkins is kind of kind of pushing him to, to be more of that vocal leader. He said he's more of a guy that always kind of led by example. But but now, when he sees stuff, he's pointed out in practice, and Taylor Jenkins and his staff has entrusted him to kind of be that guy, to be the extension of the coaching staff. And I, I just think it's going to be awesome for this basketball team. But not be a babysitter, right? Because then he said that because I'm not sure. here to babysit. <laughs> or, I think he said that he said he said that the job, right? That he's not here to be a babysitter. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. yeah, and I think a lot of people kind of took that and, and, and run with it. And being a babysitter versus being a mentor is two different things. Just sure. because a guy is not going to hold your hand and and, and try to stop you doing certain things doesn't mean he's not valuable, not going to be in your ear, not being able, not going to share knowledge with you. And I think that's kind of the dif- differentiation that people aren't understanding with that. I, I think he's going to be valuable. I, he doesn't have to hold because John's a grown man. Like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's going to do what he's going to do. But I definitely think Derek, just seeing the stuff that he's been through, kind of came into the league 
uh, the same way burst on the scene. Uh, he's had his off-court transgressions as well, just like Ja. Um, I mean, he's seen it all. I mean, been to the, college, the NCAA championship game. I mean, he's been MVP at, at a really young age. He's just seen it all, and I think he has a lot of knowledge to give Ja and, and the rest of the team. But And the thing about it is, Ja, when when you saw when when they first uh, made the move to sign Derrick Rose, Ja came out of his Twitter hiatus immediately and tweeted about it. He respects Derrick Rose, grew up idolizing him. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy that I think that Ja will really listen to. And I, and I think that's the really good thing about that. All right, what's the funniest thing you heard at Grizzlies Media Day? It doesn't have to be like poking fun at a player. If you want it to be, that's totally fine too. But what's something you said, like, man, that's funny. Someone who had a good personality, what's the funniest thing you heard at Grizz Media Day? Uh, uh, I think it's definitely uh, Steven Adams. Uh, there was a point, I can't remember who asked the question. They were talking about uh, a Korean player that was talking about he, he banked his free throws in, and they asked him, would he ever consider banking his free throws? Would he ever consider shooting his free throws like that? And then he asked, was, was the guy from North Korea or South Korea? Uh, <laughs> and, and, and everybody just kind of bust out a laugh. But I think that's – Steven, man, Steven is great. Like, you just yeah. never know what he's going to say. When he came out, they um, kind of said, do we need to have a, a delay on this? Because he, he'll say anything, man. He's wild, man, but I love him, man. I wouldn't want him to be any other way. But I think that's kind of – the funniest moment, funniest awkward moment, I think, that, that we got out of media day. But he, he's always going to give you a quote, no doubt about that. I'll tell you, it's an important distinction, though, and it's one he had to ask because you got to know before you do that. It's an important <laughs> distinction. Although, I'll tell you what, Dennis Rodman had a heck of a career. He spent some time playing basketball yeah, for a short true. stint there in North Korea as well. <laughs> Last thing, and then I'm going to let Bryant ask about media day, too, but I had a like, three-part thing here. What's the most troublesome or maybe worrisome thing that you heard at Grizz Media Day going into this season? Uh, to keep it the theme with Stephen Adams, I think it's definitely the Stephen Adams thing. I've I, I've been skeptical uh, all summer about the Stephen Adams situation because it's been so weird. I've heard some stuff off the record on kind of some of the stuff that was going on last year during the playoffs and before the playoffs with the injury, and there's been a lot of different thoughts on it. There was a New Zealand report that he had a, another surgery uh, during the offseason, I don't think the Grizzlies ever oh, wow. said that was the case. I've heard that he hasn't had it from some people from the Grizzly side. Uh, so it, it's just weird. And now this injury happened like 10 months ago. It's almost a year later. And they're still saying we hope or we expect him to be. And Stephen Adams himself said it would even be, I can't remember the, the exact adjective that he used, uh, that, but, but to say he would be ready to go right now would not be a, an accurate statement. And I, I just think that's concerning for a guy that's, as important to this this organization, this franchise as he is, as far as with his rebounding, creating second chance opportunities, his swing setting for job. I mean, we saw no no shout out to Xavier Tillman and his efforts, but we saw how much they missed him yeah, in the Lakers absolutely. going up against a guy like A D. Uh so what he does is really important for this team. And if he's not ready to go, man, that changes some things for this team and it just seems like they're still not sure exactly what's going on with the knee or how it will respond. So I think that's my biggest question mark coming out of media day. I wish there was something more concrete, like yeah. you said. It's like you're hearing different things from different people, too. And it's almost like that's a result of the lack of transparency sometimes. Yeah. Not that you have to be transparent with everybody or tell everybody anything, but even if you just have like one person that we can rely on as a fan base, this is your voice box in the media. They don't even have that, and maybe that leads to some of the skepticism with Steven Adams as well. Yeah, this organization has always been – kind of weird with, with injury reporting. Um, they, they were kind of accurate on, on Jaron the, the mm-hmm. second time, but the first time they were saying that he was going to come back like shortly after the season started. He ended up not returning until like April or late March or something like that. And 
we've seen that kind of happen with everybody outside of Josh. Josh's the only one that seems to kind of supersede those, those injury question marks, but they've always been weird and, and not fully transparent with these type of injuries. That's just something they do. You get a lot of, I don't say GM speak or coach speak when it comes to those type of things, and it, it just seems like there was a disconnect. And from what I've heard, it seems like there was a disconnect even from Stephen Adams and his camp versus the Grizzlies on how they wanted to, to handle it. He kind of wanted to do, I've heard, more holistic type treatments. They wanted him to go ahead and get the surgery early, mm. and it just seemed like this whole thing was botched. But hopefully, he comes back healthy because again, man, he's paramount for for this team yeah. and what they do. Yeah, well, it's really been, I mean, it seems like from the start of this injury, it's been kind of weird. The the kind of information hasn't been all the way there. I mean, it seemed like at one point he was going to be coming back in, in a week or two, and then you kind of get the the drop that he had those stem cells, and and so it's yeah. just been weird from the from the very start. I am curious uh, your thoughts, because it seemed like one of the, the biggest uh, stories out of Memphis Media Days, one of the biggest notes from, from Memphis Media Days is the fact that during this uh, suspension for Ja, he'll still be able to be around the team, he'll be at practices, he'll be at games for John Morant. How how big is that for him to still be involved with these guys, to still be around at practice, and and for when he comes back after those games, kind of keeping being able to keep that cardio up, being around all these guys. Yeah, it's huge for for, for two reasons. Number one, this organization is always extremely cautious, um, and mm-hmm. one of my concerns was 25, 25 games would probably turn into thirty five yeah. because they they have what you call. They wrap up periods where they 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 kind of work guys back in, and I was excited because I heard Taylor Jenkins actually say game twenty six that like but basically oh, that John wow. would be ready to go, yeah. and to have him around the team, I think even just out, just outside of basketball wise, mentally wise, you're just not sitting at home, depressed, wishing you could be out there. At least you're out there with the guys. He's going to be able to travel with the team. He can't be in the arena on the bench, mm. uh, but I guess he's going to go on the road with the team and just be able to be in practice and build that camaraderie with the new guys and, and keep up their chemistry and, and working out. You know Josh got put in the work even if he was away from the team. Sure. But being in those organized team practices, I, I think it's going to gonna do do him wonders. Um, and Josh is the type of guy, he has that kind of Jordan Kobe syndrome where he uses any kind of slight or <laughs> any anything to kind of motivate him. And can you imagine what he has built up <sighs> going through this situation? I mean, coming back healthy, rested, and I, I, can, I imagine he's going to have a – a huge chip on his shoulder, man. I think he's going to tear through the league. I think he's going to have a, a fantastic year. People were pointing out that he wasn't smiling at practice the other day, man. I, I, I think that's bad for those guys in the NBA, man, bad for the league. I think he's about to come back and have a big-time year. Because a lot of people seem to forget who he is, man. I've seen a lot of – I've seen people saying, like, oh, David Bronson's better than him. I've seen lists with the top 30 players in the NBA, 25 players in the NBA. He's not on them, top 10 point guards. He's not on these lists. And people are forgetting – what what this guy's done? Yeah. Um, I, I know he's kind of had some missteps off the court, but you can't take away anything that he's done on the court. Um, and I, I think he's going to come back and remind a lot of these people of of who just who he is. Um, so I, I'm expecting a big year, and him being able to be around this team, I, I think is huge, and that's a big weight off of me because that was a concern going into the season. Again, that it could turn into more games, and just the fact that he could be rusty. Um, and I, I think this definitely helped on both fronts. 
I got one more question for you about the Grizzlies, Isaac. Uh, Isaac Simpson joining us, by the way. TigerSportsReport.com and the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. You can get everything he does there and does a great job. I have one more Grizzlies f- question for you, Isaac, and then I want to top on to Tiger football, which is a tough topic after the tough. I mean, it was a win. A win's a win. But nonetheless, <laughs> my last question for the Grizzlies, too, is Marcus Smart a new addition? And, like, I heard, I saw a, a report the other day that Jalen Brown is talking about what a big loss that is for their locker room in terms of leadership and stuff like that. And Marcus Smart seems to be saying all the right things. What was your initial impression of Marcus Smart, and what are the what did the rest of the team say about his addition to the locker room? Yeah, man, I think he's going to be huge. Um, as far as kind of some of the same things I talk about with Derrick Rose, uh, this coaching staff wants him to be vocal, um, and I think they kind of missed those type of voices in the locker room last year. Maybe if they had guys like Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose in the locker room last year, maybe things would have went a little bit different. I think the whole theme of of kind of media day and this team this year is it's just a reset. I think a lot of the stuff last year, the, the talking and the, the reputation that they were talking and not backing things up, they just want to kind of reset and kind of change the, the mindset. Not that they're not going to gonna still talk and, and, and be tough and have that kind of mindset, but just 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 a different kind of vibe around the team. Um, and I think overall, I think Marcus Smart kind of helps with that. Um, he's a veteran presence. You talk about a guy with playoff experience. I don't know if there's another guy that leads that that has the kind, the type of playoff experience that he does overall. I mean, he's been in, in some battles, and they needed that kind of veteran in, in, the, in, the, in the locker room. He came in talking about the defense, uh, the defensive principal having two defensive players of the years, and him and, and Jared Jackson Jr., how that's going to be tremendous. And he's just coming in to, to be himself. He said that this team can't get to where they need to get without John Morant and that he's going to come in and fill his role. Uh, but he's not going to come in and try to take over the team or anything like that. He's just going to play his game. Uh, but I think him playing this game, I think, is a tremendous boost uh, for the, for this basketball team. Just to have a, a guy that, and not that Marcus Smart is the most efficient player, but he's definitely a lot more efficient than Dylan Brooks. He's not going to go out there and shoot you out of a game on, on both nights like we kind of saw with, with Dylan Brooks. Mm-hmm. And personally, I, I think Marcus Smart is a better one-on-one defender uh, than, than Dylan Brooks. He does give up a little bit of size. He's not as big as Dylan Brooks, which is a little bit of a concern for me. I, I wish they had probably going out and getting a, getting a vet guy, maybe that you could bring out the best that was maybe six seven, six six eight. Uh, that could come in and defend. Um, I, I could see them getting if you, especially when you get into the playoffs, if you're going up against a team like the Lakers that has a lot of big wings, or maybe even get to the finals against a team like Boston. I think being small like that could create some problems, especially if Marcus Smart gets in foul trouble. You can see some issues there, but I think it'll be fine in the regular season. But I just think it's a tremendous addition for this team to, to have a guy like that with that experience, that knowledge, another guy that can, can lock up and, and play defense like that. Um, I think it's a tremendous addition, and I, I loved everything that he had to say. I, I lied, Isaac. I have one more basketball question. Uh, Dylan, <laughs> D- Dylan Brooks also, and, and, and Fred Van Vliet for that matter, have really had a positive, I, mean, I guess everything's positive on media days, so I, I shouldn't look too much yeah. into it, but it seems like they've had an extremely positive experience in that new locker room. Looks like they were having a lot of fun. I saw Fred Van Vliet gifted the whole team uh, uh, a bunch of different stuff. They gave him a box of all this kind of stuff and really? stuff like that. Yeah, really cool. And then Dylan Brooks really ingratiated himself with the Houston media in a positive way. Um, and it seemed like they were very receptive to his addition as well. Are you happy to see him seemingly happy, or, or it's kind of uh, he's not here anymore? We don't really we don't really have much to think about him. Yeah, got, got more of the latter. Um, I think I mean it's good for him that he's 
happy. He seems like he's happy to be there. It, it just kind of seems like everybody hated him when he was with the Grizzlies. Now all of a sudden he it's this positive thing with Houston and national media is even kind of talking more positive about it when they hated him when he was with the Grizzlies. So that's kind of interesting to see how that played out. We'll see if that lasts. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but being in Houston with, with that young team, uh, even Fred Van Vliet coming in as veterans, I, I think it'll be good. I think I'm a big fan of Ime Udoka as a, as a coach. I, I think he's a really good coach, and I think he's going to do, do a good job down there. They just got to figure out who are their guys. I, like Houston, they have a lot of guys that are very similar. I, I just think their roster is kind of unbalanced. I still don't know exactly what they're doing as a team as far as the makeup of their roster. Uh, but Forrest Dillon, man, like you said, yeah, man, he's dancing around, seems to be having a lot of fun at the media day, man. So so good on him. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. He said he has those Grizzlies game circle. I think the Grizzlies players probably had that game circle too. I don't I don't think I don't think it's gonna be a lot of fun for him, man, but we'll we'll see how it goes. But I'm sure he's gonna try to Go ahead, the Grizzlies, man. They got got them four times, so we're definitely going to see him. Well, they got to start playing defense in Houston before they do anything else because they haven't been doing any of, that, any of that in the last <laughs> couple of years. All right, getting to Tiger football here. Uh, you know, maybe they should just play all their games, at a, I'll say, on the road, but I guess technically a neutral site because they seem to do a lot better when it's not in uh, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Hey, comeback, big comeback. I mean, big comeback, great, <laughs> great second half there. Um, but i, I got to ask you, Isaac, what do you make of their first-half struggles in the last yeah. two home games that they've played here? Yeah, man, it, it, it was ugly, man, to start off. It was just kind of, oh, man, this is really not going to turn out. Because when the, when the schedule came out, you're like, okay, you got these three games. You got Missouri on a neutral. You got Boise State two lane at home. And you're thinking, okay, if you get two of these, you're in really good shape. And you go up to, to St. Louis and you lose that game by seven. Um, that's a game where I thought, some coaching blunders that I think they could have won that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you come into this game and you're like, oh, man, it's, this is really about to go south. They're going to lose this game. They're probably going to drop the game to Tulane and it's over because this is a game that they had to have for just even for momentum purposes. Because uh, even if they had lost this game, I think you lose this game and you go beat Tulane next week, you still had a really good shot at possibly being in a championship game or winning the AEC. But I think optics-wise, this was a game that you had to have. I mean, yeah. Silverfield take a lot of criticism. He had to prove that he could win a quote-unquote big game this season, and they were able to do that. But in that first half, man, it was really depressing. I think the the, the Kenton Arku uh, block field goal oh, return yeah. is kind of where the momentum kind of swung on their side. Changed um, the game. They were able mm-hmm. to, yeah, I mean, that's a big-time play uh, that he made there and able to change the game. And they were able to pull the game out, uh, but – Again, man, you kind of look back at that game. It didn't look like it was going to go that way early, no. but I'm I'm just happy they were able to pull it out because again, that keeps them still in the conversation for crazy stuff like New Year's Six. If you still want to want to want to bet on that and an opportunity to be in the conference championship game and and win this thing, everything is still in front of them. I mean, you have to worry about what Fresno State and Air Force does out in the Mountain West, but you're still right there sure. uh, right now. And if you can beat Tulane next Friday, man, you're really in the driver's seat. To, to win this AEC as long as you win the games you're supposed to win because outside of that they'll, I'm sure they'll be favored in every game in the remainder of the season. It doesn't mean they'll win every one of them but they'll they'll be favored to do so. So it, it kept all that big dreams in front of them. So I mean that that it was a tremendous victory in that vein. 
No question about it. If anybody's looking for someone to blame on first half struggles, you can blame me too. I left at halftime of that game. Mm. Go ahead, Brian. Mm. Uh, <laughs> well, you talk about Tulane, obviously a big game next Friday night, and we talk about these slow starts, and, and really, I mean, home for sure, but it's really been all season, even on the road, some slow yeah. starts. Um, obviously, I think that's one thing you need to change going into that Tulane game, but when you look at Memphis, when you look at Tulane going into next week, both teams coming off of off weeks, what, what are some things that you think uh, Memphis really needs to focus on in order to win that game? Oh, well, first off, when you got to look at Tulane, I, I personally don't think Tulane is as good as they're supposed to be. Definitely not mm-hmm. as good of a team as they were last year. I mean, you right. saw that game. It took UAB game everything they wanted um, in, in that game last week. So I think this is a winnable game for Memphis. I, I think for Memphis offensively, they just got to find some consistency. Um, I, I, honestly, I've been a little disappointed in Steph. I, I thought mm-hmm. year three yeah. that he would be more advanced in this and passing the ball. And it's weird because it's a lot of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with, with him because mm-hmm. you'll see these tremendous roles. Like you had the, the, the back shoulder fade to skate uh, oh, yeah. for, for a touchdown. You've seen he had a big throw to Rock Taylor along the sideline. And you see those throws, you're like, man, that's what we want to see out of it. And then you see these kind of plays where he's indecisive uh, and he'll he, he, he throw a bad pick. And you're like, man, where where is this coming from? I, I, think, in, I think consistency on offense is the key. Uh, the defense has been – been pretty good. Like yeah. I, I, I like. I was kind of surprised at how well either both lines, the offensive line and the defensive line, stood up against the SEC opponent in Missouri. They didn't get pushed around in that game. Yeah. That's usually what you expect out of that, and that's not really what happened in that game. So I think consistency on offense, uh, because Tulane's going to put points on the board. You're going to have to have to continue to move the football, and they have a lot of drives that, that stall out uh, very quickly. A lot of three and outs, um, and. They have to they have to find more consistency there, and also more consistency in the running game. Um, uh, I know Blake Watson is is big time, but they have a lot of situations where they're getting these short down third and one, and they have a hard time picking them up. Uh, that those they have to find more consistency there, just offense overall. I think that's the biggest question, and a lot of it, a lot of times, I think it's play calling. I mean, you some of these plays, and you scratch your head, like why would you call call that there? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's part on the offense and it's on the coaching staff as well. So I think. Consistency on offense, I think, is gonna what's gonna lead them to be able to beat a team like Tulane. I'm not as concerned about them on the defensive side of the ball, man. Just can they move the football and put points on the board? I'm so glad you said that too, Isaac, because one of the questions was sent around. I wanted to ask you, you just answered it for me right there. <laughs> I was gonna talk about. I think whoever's calling the plays is horrible. I mean, I'll say it yeah. one more bluntly. I mean, it just it's all it's terrible play calling. Last thing I want to say you too, and I'm not trying to take you one direction or another. So so please don't think this is pointed at all. Do you think Seth Hennigan is overrated in our market as a quarterback? Um, I, w- I wouldn't say he's overrated because I think a lot of people kind of have kind of said some of the same things that that, that I've just said here that he's inconsistent. Mm, yeah. I-, I think he's a good quarterback. I, I don't. I-, I like Seth. I, I don't want to get want to down him too much because I- he's made plays. I mean, there's times where he's a warrior. I, sure. I will say that man he hangs in there. Um, it's just that it seems like. And I don't even want to. I don't know. It's kind of. He's kind of regret a, a little bit, to be honest. For it sure. Seems like the times he was a little bit better last year. It seems like he's kind of going backwards, and I, I don't understand it because he. You can see he can make all the throws. It just seems like for some reason this year, his inner clock is is, is he's thinking too much on the field. I, I guess I'll say, and you can you can almost see it when he, when he drops back that he's thinking too much. And a lot of times he keys in on on one read. And that's why you'll see him. So pick because he'll lock in on one guy and the defense right. recognize that and it's an easy easy play for them. So he just has to, to continue to to make some of the good plays like we saw and 
kind of kind of be more decisive on the field. I think a lot of it is just seems like he's in his head a little bit more this year than he's been, and that's kind of been the disappointing thing. But I think this team goes as far as he takes them, and I think that's the, the course. Uh, can, can he do it uh, against Tulane? Made some big throws in the second half uh, of the Boise State game. We just need to see more consistency from him in the offense overall. But, yeah, man, I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily think he's overrated because, again, I think a lot of people have kind of said the same thing. But, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on, on Seth this year so far. Isaac Simpson joins John every Thursday. Today he joins me and Bryant. Uh, Isaac, thanks so much. You can read him at TigerSportsReport.com. You can listen to him on the Ethos Grizzlies podcast, especially with the season ramping up. There's a lot of stuff going on. Isaac, thanks again for joining us. Do the Cowboys? So much, la- Isaac. Yeah, the last question too. Do the Cowboys cover the four points, or do they win the game in San Francisco on Sunday Night Football? Man. I, I feel good about it, man. Yeah. I, I think they win the game outright. All right, all right. Yeah, man. I, I'm I'm going all the way out with it. I just have a, a feeling, man. It's been they've knocked us out of the playoffs two years in a row. I, I think they're they're ready for this game. I think this is definitely the biggest test that the San Francisco's had all year, man. I just think uh, it's time, man. I mean, you can't lose to this team again, man. If, if they lose to this team again, it's going to be uh, same old Cowboys mm-hmm. can't get it done. I, I think they're fired up and ready to go. I think they find a way to get it done. I know that's how crazy San Francisco's a monster at home. There's no doubt about that. Not going to be easy, but I just have a sneaky feeling, man, they find a way to get it done. Isaac Simpson, like I said, TigerSportsReport.com, Ethos Grizzlies podcast, just predicted a Cowboys win on the road in Sunday Night Football. Thanks so much, Isaac. (laughs) Isaac. Thanks, man. Talk to you guys next week. We are real sports talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Back to Sports 56 Happy Hour with Johnny Radio. This hour is brought to you by Scooters Plus on Summer Avenue. Here once again is Johnny Radio. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Choke. He's so mad, but he won't give up daddies. He know he won't have it. He knows his whole back to these ropes. It don't matter. He's dope. He knows that, but he's broke. He's so sad that he knows when he goes back to this mobile home. That's when it's back to the lab again, yo. This old rhapsody better. Go capture this moment and hope it don't be Lose his mouth in the music The moment you own it You better never let it go You only get one shot Do not miss your chance I'm so disappointed Why? I had, you saw me just a second ago. What was I doing? Pulling up all the Don LaGreca uh-huh. sound. I had it down to the timestamp yeah. exactly when I was going to play uh-huh. it. I was going to mix it yeah. with Eminem Ooh. on beat, him screaming Rabbit. obscenities. Um, and then the internet died. I mean, what a piece of crap wow. internet connection we got up here. I mean, good wow. lord, this is ridiculous. I'm trying to make Marconi a winning rate, award winning radio here, and we can't Easier even get, said. we can't even get sustainable internet? Mm. It's ridiculous. Mm. It's ridiculous. Mm. It's a joke. Mm. It's a joke. Boo the internet. <laughs> Boo. I don't care if you see, you see the internet in the ball. Boo it. <laughs> you see the internet in the DMV. Boo it. It's ridiculous. Please. You did a, a job well done there. Thanks, Brent. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it really leads me well into other sound I wanted to play here today, which I'm extremely happy about. This is Doggy. 
Mad Dog, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. You know Chris Russo, oh, Brian, yeah. don't you? Doggy. Mike and the Mad Dog. Oh, wow. Sports Radio 66, WFAN. They're talking sports, going at it as hard as they can. Also a microcosm for sports radio. I mean, you got to <laughs> go at it hard, yeah, Brian. Yeah, you Any really do. fun, not allowed, no laughing, we got to go at it hard. That's I need right. your serious opinions about serious things. Right. It's sports. It's not something it's jovial like news. This is sports. <laughs> hey, we got to take this serious. That's right. Well, what else do we have if we don't take this great, serious? Great point by you. And I think the epitome of that is that Mad Dog and Mike and the Mad Dog, uh, they invented serious sports radio, mm-hmm. and it's been devalued so much. It's just not. It's not. Uh, a valuable product anymore to be take sports radio or like to give serious analysis. Right. Look no further than the guy that invented it, <laughs> joking around constantly, yes. talking about taking weed gummies yes. on ESPN yes. Disney television. Yes. So if if he can't tell you, if you're not going to listen to me tell you that you shouldn't take this stuff seriously anymore, and entertainment value is far more important, listen to Mad Dog who has totally left behind serious sports analysis. Uh-huh. Anyway, last week he said that he didn't care if Taylor Swift was nude in the booth. He's not gonna. Oh. I'm not gonna look at her. I don't care if she's nude in the booth. They shouldn't put the camera on her. I don't care. I don't want to see anymore. Um, he uh, said his daughters are very upset with him for this take, and he went on his show, Mad Dog Sports Radio, on Mad Dog Unleashed on Sirius XM uh-huh. Radio. This is courtesy of Mad Dog Unleashed and Sirius XM Radio, and uh, he had this to say. What's today? Thursday. Today's he had this Thursday. to say on Tuesday. And Kansas City gets every call known to man, so I don't want to hear about the Chiefs. They get every call known to man. They have forever. And I've had enough of Taylor Swift. I said that last week. I'll say it again. Enough. 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 Again, Len Dawson. Go to a history book. And, you know, maybe the NFL wants Taylor Swift. I know keep the Chiefs relevant. So and not, not that they wouldn't be anyway, but we can go out there and we can see Taylor hanging out with Travis Kelsey for the next 50, 50 weeks. I mean, is that the deal here? I got to sit there and see her in every booth known to man. I mean, she's never heard of. Uh, uh, do you think she knows who Phil Sims is? I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, they played in that site. Oh, my God, enough. My Even my daughter's killing me now on Taylor Swift. The Swifties have come after me. What do you think about that, Brian? Swifties going to I mean, does Taylor Swift know who Phil Sims is? Yeah, I don't even know Phil Sims and Lynn Dawson. Valid question. Uh, you know Lynn Dawson, right, Brian? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, before we go to break here, we got to go to a break. Name me one team Lynn Dawson played for. Oh, the, the G-Men. Mm-hmm. Wrong.